1: Sergeant Joe Friday, who has his hands full because he's on the case of a robber who resembles a werewolf.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent.
3: NBC brings you Dragnet.
2: A detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. There's a potential killer on the loose in your city. Eighteen women have been beaten and robbed by this man. The newspapers call him the werewolf. Your job is to get him.
3: Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family. And your life. For the next 30 minutes in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files from beginning to end, from crime to punishment. Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It
4: was Thursday morning, February 2nd. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the early morning watch out of robbery detail. Detectives in Los Angeles work in pairs. My partner's Ben Romero. He's a sergeant and so am I. My name's Friday. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. I was on the way back from the teletype room and it was 3 a.m. when I got to room 27 a. Robbery detail. Hi, Ben. What's up? Keep your coat on, Joe. Just had a hotshot call. Coming, skipper?
2: Right behind you. Let's go,
4: Freddy. Well, what was it, Ed?
2: Another woman robbed, almost beaten to death.
4: Oh, well, how many does that make?
2: About 18 in six weeks. Is that right, Skipper? Yeah, 18 too many. Come on down these stairs to the garage. Yeah. What about that suspect we had, Ed? You mean Martin? Yeah. Had to release him this morning. But I got a good tale on him, Henderson.
5: Yeah.
4: We got any reports yet? Nothing definite
2: to hold him for. Here's the garage. Let's hustle it. Right,
4: Then if this isn't Martin's job, Skipper, and
2: he's not the right man... Then we start all over again and we work night and day till we find the right man. Here's the car. Let's go.
4: Ben, you drive me. All right. How do the victims describe this guy,
2: Ed? Pretty sketchy. Supposed to be tall, dark, long black hair. Last woman said he had a face like an animal. Something like a dog. Or a wolf. A wolf? Yeah. Yeah. She said... Something like, Something like a werewolf. Something well,
4: like a werewolf. We almost had to be that, judging from the way he operated. He was either an animal or a raving maniac. One thing we were sure of, he was smart and he was dangerous. For almost two months, he prowled the streets in a stolen car in the early morning, usually between 3 and 5 a.m. And the victims were always lone women, most of them waitresses, coming to work or going home. He dragged them into the car, robbed them, beat them until they were unconscious, and then throw the body out into the street. That's just what we found when we pulled up to the curb near the corner of 8th and Grand. One cruiser car was already there, and so was the ambulance. About a dozen people were standing around looking at the crumpled figure of a woman sprawled out on the sidewalk. Two officers were talking to the only witness, a thin, sallow-faced newsboy. His story didn't give us much to go on. Like I was telling these cops, uh, or these officers, sir, I was walking up Eighth Street on my way home as usual when I see this blue Chevy sedan pull up down a the block there a little way and dump out the dame's body.
2: But actually, I, I don't know what to think. Then. You get a look
4: at the license plate? Well, well, no, I didn't. Really, the truth, I could hardly keep from. Well, I was just plain scared. Mm. What did you do after you saw him throw the body out, sir? I just stood there for a minute and the in the car drove right on past me. Did you get a look at him? I sure did. How close were you when he drove past? Well, now, he couldn't have been more than, well, eight or ten feet away. Uh. I was right over there by the street light near the curb. Would you know this man if you saw him again? I don't know about his height or his build or his weight, but, mister, his face I'll never forget. Why do you say that? So was just like the paper says about him. Right? right here on the front page. Here, read it. See? Woman says the attacker looked like werewolf. That's all the newsboy could tell us. The suspect drove a blue sedan. He had a face like a werewolf. We covered the neighborhood for clues and we questioned a dozen people, but we got nowhere. We took the witness's name and address and, and we drove down a couple of blocks to
2: an all night gas station.
5: Fourteen hour that call.
2: I'm going in here and call the office and see if Henderson's called in on Martin. We might still have a suspect. All right, Skipper.
5: Mm.
4: Looks as mad as a wet hornet, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah. Did you get a good look at that woman's face when they moved her in the ambulance? Yeah. Sure does like to mess him up. Oh, I don't know how we're going to get him, Ben, but we better do it fast. Next time it'll probably be murder. Oh, well, here comes the Skipper, Joe.
2: Uh-oh.
4: Doesn't look good.
2: What is it, Ed? Just talked to Henderson. He tailed Martin to a bar in Long Beach. He Hasn't been out of his sight for two minutes since yesterday. Martin's clear. and we're right back where we started. Yeah, with one more half-dead
4: woman in the hospital. Well, how about that stolen car, Skip? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Get that radio off. Okay. Code
6: 3, ambulance dispatched. Attention, all units on Grand Avenue between Venice and Washington. A woman, victim of robbery and attack. Code 3. Ambulance to task.
2: Good tree. Red light and siren. Come on, Friday. Let's roll.
4: Well, we couldn't be sure, but it sounded like another one. Six minutes later, we were there. Same story. Werewolf. <laughs> the next day, the chief ordered the number of cruiser cars doubled in the central district. This was for the early morning watch with clothesman to back them up. Then the newspapers played it vague, and in two days the story was on the front page of every paper in town. Maybe that should have made the werewolf lay low, but it didn't. Because at four o'clock that morning, while Ben and I were patrolling with the other cars, he got his twentieth victim.
6: Attention, all units. Whittier between Soto and Matthews. A woman, victim of two eleven, an attack. Code three. Ambulance dispatched. <laughs> On
4: that blue sedan he used the other night, Joe. Found it out on Anaheim Telegraph Road. Any luck with it? Not one fingerprint we can use. Anything else? Nothing. Well, how about the auto theft detail? Same old story, Joe. He steals a car, uses it once, and then drops it. Never leaves a thing behind. Well, that's great. We're sure moving fast. How about that big guy you picked out of the lineup this morning? Oh, I checked his alibi. It's perfect. Hmm. Now we haven't got even half a clue. Yeah. Well, come on. Let's check with Eddie. He's instructing the policewoman on a plan for
2: tonight. All right. I have heard the reports. You understand how the suspect operates and what you're to do. I it Remember, all of you forget you were ever policewomen. Change the way you walk, the way you carry yourselves. That's the part you're playing, all right? Okay. And be careful and don't take any chances.
4: All right, Freddy. Okay, Ed. Now, just to make sure you look the part, we're spotting each one of you at different restaurants and coffee shops throughout the Central District. And from 7 o'clock tonight until daylight tomorrow, each one of you is going to be a waitress. You got that? Okay, Ben, you want to give them their assignments? Okay, Joe. Now, well, here's the way it lines up. Marge Kissel at the Top Hat Cafe. That's on 9th Street between Alpharod and Westlake. Okay. And Katie Wells, Joe's Coffee House, Brooklyn Soto. Right. Pat Fielding at the All-Night Steakhouse on Figueroa Street between... Fort no, and the F- trick of Ray. using decoys to lure criminals into a trap wasn't exactly new, but, well, it was just one of the old tricks that we figured might land the werewolf behind bars. At 7 that night, Ben and I made the rounds and found each of the police women on her job as a waitress. Well, the overall plan was simple. The girls were to leave the different restaurants between 3 and 5 a.m. that morning and pretend they were walking home. We mapped different courses for each one of them to throw out as much bait as possible and yet not to make it look suspicious. Each policewoman from the time she left the restaurant and stepped out into the deserted streets would be pretty much on her own. We had officers planted all along the way at designated intervals, but a big element of chance and danger was still there. All we could do was cross our fingers and hope. How much more time, Joe? Let me see. She's doing two minutes. Yeah. Waiting gets on your nerves. And it won't be long. This corner doorway's pretty good lookouts, boy. Yeah. Wait a minute. Listen. Who is it, Joe? Can you see? Get back. What is it? Wait a minute. It's Marge Kissel. There's a man following her. A big guy. If it's the werewolf, where's his car? I don't know. Maybe he changed his plans. Get back. Here they come. Get a look at him, Joe. Oh, pretty good. Not too suspicious. Might be coincidence. I well, got a pretty good lead. Come on, let's go. Stay back in the shadows. Hey, Joe. Hmm? Joe, so where'd the guy go to? I lost him. A little coffee shop up on the next corner. See? Take a look. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's opening the door. He's turning on the light. Yeah. Looks like a false alarm, Joe. Well, let's check him anyway. Well, I didn't think we'd be that lucky on the first try, and we weren't. We asked the man a few questions, and it didn't take him long to show us he wasn't our man. He owned the coffee shop. So, Ben and I went back and took up our posts again and waited for the next decoy. We covered that ten-block course six times that morning... Back and forth, following the bait, but it was almost as if the guy could sense a trap. Not once did we get a nibble. By the time our last decoy finished the route, it was almost daylight. Joe, I never was so glad to see that sun come up in my whole life. My feet feel like they're puffing right up out of my shoes. Yeah, me too. Come on, let's get over to the car and check on the other squad out in Boyle Heights. Mm Hit the radio, will you, Ben? Yeah. Sure, there must be some easier job on the force than this. Yeah, you and me both. Now, let's see what happened to the others, huh? 80K to unit 104K. Come in.
3: 104K to unit 80K. Go ahead.
4: 104K, this is Friday. You doing any good out there? This is Miller. I'll call Curtis. Stand by. 80K to 104K, Roger. What do you think, Joe? Maybe a buy? I don't know. Oh, this guy seems to work like a mind reader. Well, he can't win all of them. 104K to unit 80K. This is Curtis. Go ahead. This is Friday, Al. How'd you do out there? Any luck?
3: Just checked in the last gal, Joe.
4: Katie Welch, not a sign. Okay, Al. Have the men check in. 80K clear. KGPL. Okay, let's go, Ben. When we finally got back to the office that morning, both Ben and I were ready for some sleep, but it didn't look like we were going to get it. We just about finished going through the overnight reports for some kind of a lead when the phone rang. Robbery Friday.
2: Joe, this is Wilkerson, auto Thet.
4: Hi, Wilkie. You got something for us?
3: Not much, Joe, but it might work into something. He's got a report in on a pair of stolen
4: license plates. Oh? Yeah. I'm not much of a hawk, Shaw, but I figure there's just a chance it might be your werewolf boy. How come? I don't know. Maybe just a hunch. After 13 years
2: in this business, you get to know thieves pretty well. Sometimes you got to even think like
4: them. Okay, Wilkie, thanks. We'll check by in a couple of minutes. Right, Joe. What do you have to say? A pair of license plates stolen last night. Wilkie's got a hunch it could have been our man. That well, might be an angle, Joe. If that werewolf guy would hang on to one car long enough, we'd have a chance there. Oh, he's too smart for that. I don't know, Joe. Sooner or later, he's going to make a mistake. Yeah. Come on, let's check with Wilkie. Well, we checked with Wilkerson. We got the best piece of news we'd had in days. On the average, 95% of stolen cars are recovered or located within 24 hours. In the remaining 5%, Wilkerson, by a simple process of elimination... Narrowed down the number of cars the suspect might be driving. Wilkie figured six cars.
2: There they are. Now I'll bet you if you picked up your man tonight, he'd be in one of these cars. Let me see,
4: huh? Two-door black sedan, yellow convertible, another sedan, green, blue coupe, black coupe, and a gray convertible. Plus, good work,
7: Wilkie. At least we got something to look for now.
4: Yeah, you're right, Joe. Uh, Wilkie, you got the numbers of those stolen plates you're talking about?
2: Yeah, right here, Ben. They're already on the hot sheet. Good. Keep us posted, huh? Yeah, as usual, Ben. See you later, Wilkie.
4: It's a good break, Ben. Something to keep us busy tonight. Tonight? What do you mean? We're setting another trap. Same thing as last night. Same policewomen, same everything. Well, only this time, let's hope he steps into it. You know, Joe, this werewolf character is getting me mad. That night, we followed in our own footsteps. We planted the police women decoys in three separate districts. And a few minutes before 3 a.m., our squad of men took up their positions. The same police women went to their waitress jobs in the same restaurants, and Ben and I and the rest of the men stood in darkened doorways or empty filling stations or whatever cover we could find, and we waited and waited. What time is it, Joe? Let me look. Half past four. Mm, thank you. Any sign, Joe? No, nothing yet. Come on, stay in the shadows. That's the way it went all through the early morning. The same plan over and over again until daylight. Ben and I had check in at the station, go over the late stolen car reports with Wilkie, catch a few hours sleep at home, and then come back and do it all over again. The next night, the next morning, the night after that, and the morning after that. Five days later, Ben and I were ready to call it quits. I'll admit it, Joe. I can't figure it. Guy's either psychic or else he can smell a cop a mile away. Yeah, well, at least we got that stolen car angle left. You check with Wilkie yet this morning? I'll give him a call now. All right.
2: Auto theft, Wilkerson.
4: This is Ben, Wilkie. Got anything for us this morning?
2: Yeah, i was just going to call you. You fellas ought to let me solve your cases for you.
4: Why? What'd you get?
2: The boys picked up three of those six stolen cars since late yesterday.
4: Great. Now, what does that leave us with? I
2: well, hear the three still missing. Yeah. Four X-Ray 763. Yeah. Five 6-Young 342.
4: Uh-huh. Six 1-Robert 385. Yeah. Got those? Yeah, thank you, Wilkie. Check you later. Good news? Remember those six missing cars? Yeah. Wilkie says the boys found three of them since late yesterday. Here's what's still out. The blue coupe, the yellow convertible, and the gray convertible. Yeah. Well, this feels like the right track for a change, Ben.
2: Friday, Romero, got a minute?
4: Sure thing, Skipper. Come on, Joe.
2: What do you got, Ed? woman out in Hollywood just called in with this said she walked down to the corner from her house last night to mail the letter. On the way back, a guy pulled up in the car and tried to drag her inside. Any description? Big, heavy, set, dark, same thing. Well, how'd you get away from him, Skip? She said she started running as soon as he made a motion toward her. When he saw her run up the steps of her house, he jumped back in the car and took off. Well, how come she didn't call in before then? She hasn't got a phone.
4: She's afraid to leave the house again until this morning.
2: Sounds good, Chief. You got her address there? Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Tom Burdick, 1237 Wilcox, apartment ten.
4: Come on, Ben. This might be what we're looking for. Who is it? Who's there? Sergeant Friday, ma'am. Police. Oh, just a moment. I'm Sergeant Romero, Miss Birdie. This is my partner, Sergeant Friday. We come out to check on your call about that little trouble last night.
6: Oh, well... I don't know if I'm going to be much help to you. I was so frightened about all I could do was just run.
4: Well, could you add anything to the man's description, Miss Burdick? I mean, other than what you told the chief on the phone?
6: Well, no. Honestly, I don't think I can. All I saw was this tall, dark man jumping out of his car and starting for me. He had a heavy build and seemed to me, well, a large head. With lots of long, black hair.
4: Miss mm-hmm. uh, Burdick, uh, would you recognize this man if you ever saw him again?
6: Well, I think I might. He was such an unusually big man, almost frightened me to death.
4: Well, just one more question, Miss Burdick. Could you describe the car this man was driving when he approached you? His car? Mm-hmm.
2: Why, yes. It was a gray convertible.
4: Miss Burdick, are you sure of that?
6: Yes, I'm sure of it. A gray convertible.
4: Thank you, Miss Burdick. That's all we wanted to know. Sometimes when you're on a case, you can chase yourself around in circles for weeks trying to fit together just two little pieces of a yard-long jigsaw puzzle. And a lot of the time, you find the answer where you least expect it. But once you get that feeling you're after the right man in the right way, there's nothing that can shake you. When Ben and I got back to headquarters, we went straight to the chief's office with a story, and we had him stake out the gray convertible. In other words, if any detective or officer spotted the car, he reported it back to us, but he stayed away from it. We figured that there probably weren't more than two of the victims who could take the witness stand and identify the man who robbed and beat them. Not with a smart defense lawyer, anyway. So there was only one way to catch this suspect. Red-handed. Here they are, Joe. Both sets of license numbers for that great convertible. Here are the original, and here are the numbers on the stolen plate. Good. Everybody got a hot sheet? From the chief all the way down to the janitor. Fine. Now let's get together with Ed, huh? Huckshot, Joe, grab it. I got it. On the corner of California and Oakwood, a woman badly beaten. On the corner of California and Oakwood, a woman badly. Come on, Ben, another one. But, Joe, it's broad daylight. Yeah, doesn't figure, does it? Come on.
2: That
4: vacant lot over, Joe. Two plain clothesmen and uniformed officers were keeping the crowd back. An ambulance was drawn up by the curb, but it was empty. When we got down to the rear of the lot, we found out why. They were waiting for the coroner. The woman was young, not much more than 30. Her body was half sprawled across the muddy ground, and her face was turned upward. It had been badly beaten.
3: We figured it happened last night, Sergeant.
4: Have the fingerprint men been notified? Yeah. How about the crime lab? Just called them. That's good. Now let's keep everybody out of the area
2: till they get here. All right, sergeant. Uh, who found the body? One of the kids in the neighborhood. The woman was dead when he found her. Did she live around here? About a half mile away. I hear she's got three kids, or she had three kids.
4: Mm-hmm. You seen enough, Ben? Yeah. Let's get on back to headquarters. All the way back to headquarters, Ben and I planned our next move. And by the time we got to Ed Backstrand's office, we knew exactly what had to be done. When we told him about the werewolf murder, he didn't say a thing for a minute. He just stared across the room at the calendar on the wall. Then he brought his hand down hard against the desk.
2: Friday, Romero, I'm only going to say this once, so get it straight. That guy's pulled his last job in this city. He's through robbing and
0: beating women, and he's through with murder.
2: I've given you time to track him down, and now I want him in.
4: No stalls, no excuses. I want him. I don't care how many men you use, and I don't care how you get him, but get him. That's all. Ben and I worked all that afternoon, right through dinner, up until 8 o'clock. By that time, the overall plan was down on paper and already in action. It was one of the biggest things we'd ever tackled, and... Well, we didn't know if it was going to work. We only knew it had to work. We had a squad of 65 cars to stretch out over 40 square miles of the city in one big dragnet. The blockade itself would be stationary most of the time, and working inside it would be two cars, 14 policewomen as decoys, with two plainclothesmen assigned to watch each policewoman. If and when the werewolf was sighted in the gray convertible, we'd automatically take over the police radio for the whole city, and Backstrand would direct the chase from headquarters. A little after eight, we had coffee and hamburgers, and we went to Ben's for a few hours. Ben tucked his kid in bed as usual, and then he laid down for a nap. I talked to his wife until I dozed off in the chair. At 11.30, she woke us up. I combed my hair and put on my coat. Cops' wives are like everybody else's. They worry. When we met Ed at headquarters, we did some last-minute checking on details with Backstrand for about a half an hour, and then we were all ready to go. By five minutes past two, half the dragnet crew pulled out of the police garage and scattered over the city to their places. By 2.35, the other half pulled out, and a few minutes later, Ben and I followed. At three minutes to three that morning, Backstrand took over communications and checked every car in the operation. It was a good start. Every man in his right place by the right time. The trap was set. All we needed now was to find our suspect, the werewolf, inside.
5: Control
2: 4 to Unit 80K. Control 4 to Unit 80K.
4: 80K to Control 4. Go ahead.
2: This is Backstrand. Standing by.
4: 80K. Roger. Clear. KGPL. Okay, Ben. Now let's go find him. I got a hunch, Joe. Let's try the Wilshire District first. Sounds all right to me. Let's go. (laughs) hour and a half, we raked the Wilshire district back and forth. Not a sign. Then about 38 minutes past four, we headed back for the downtown area and parked in an alley where we could double check on one of our police women decoys. Here comes one of the girls now, Joe. Pat Field. Bet her feet are almost as tarred as mine. Yeah. Did you see anything else, Ben? Nothing. Quiet as a church. No. No, no wait a minute. Hmm? Car just turned the corner. Heading up in the same direction she is. Joe. Hmm? Huh? slowing down. Wait a minute. He's pulling up beside her. It's a great convertible. It's him, Joe. Come on. <laughs> ben, get down. He sees it. He's got a gun. You all right, Ben? Yeah, look at that guy take off. 80K to Control 4. 80K to Control 4. We've spotted the suspect. He's driving a gray Ford convertible. License 61 robert 385. Suspect's headed east on Olympic from Alameda. Driving without lights. Suspect is armed. He had a fast car and he knew how to drive it. We almost lost him twice. Two minutes after we sighted him, Backstrand took over full radio control. Control 4 to unit 80K. Your location. 80K to Control 4. We're traveling at a high rate of speed. Headed east on Olympic. Crossing Soto Street. Control 4 to all units, stand by. Right. Units 11A, 12, and 13R close in on the intersections at Olympic and Lorena. Units 41, 42, 45, and 104K move in on, on the next four crossings east of that. To the north and south, units 105K, 14A, 17R,
5: 43T block all main arteries.
4: the dragnet had pulled in like a noose around a five-mile area. Ben and I hoped it was just a matter of time. Unit 80K to Control 4. Control 4 to 80K, go ahead. He's headed north on Fresno Street, crossing Whittier Boulevard.
2: Attention all units. 80K now pursuing suspect north on Fresno
4: Up there ahead. What's he trying to do now? Look, he's turning around. Yeah. Yeah, and he's coming right for us. Watch it, Joe. Look out! Pretty close. 80K to Control 4. Pass out, 80K. Go ahead. Exchanging shots with suspect. Watch it, Ben. Here he comes again. Sure likes to use that gun, doesn't he? Sure does. Hey, Joe, look. Now look, he's turning east. He's running for Hollenbeck Park. Yeah, 80K to Control 4. Go ahead. Suspect just drove up over curb and into Hollenbeck Park. That's cool. Baseball game with only his head, left. Yeah, come on. Let's get him. Yeah. Never say die, huh, Joe? Joe, can you get a shot at him? Don't shoot! Don't shoot! I'll give up! Don't shoot! And step out in the open and get your hands in the air. All right, all right. I give up. But don't shoot. You're a brave kid. Yeah, come on. All right, you get your hands in the air. Come on, higher. Joe, look out. He's got
5: a knife. I got him.
4: Joe, those women were right. He does look like a werewolf. Yeah. You got your handcuffs? Yeah. Okay. Got a cigarette? I've been out for an hour. Middle place across the street. Maybe we can get some there. Okay. There's the crew from the 41R. Hey, fellas, take him into robbery, will you?
3: Okay, buddy.
4: Think there's a vending machine in there? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Say, uh, you got some change for the cigarette machine, mister? I think so. Say, uh, who's
2: that guy all them cops were after over in the park a little while ago?
4: I picked up the werewolf. Been reading the papers? Yeah. You fellas
2: cops? Yeah. Sure made it easy for you, didn't he? All you cops had to do was surround the little fella in the park. Nothing to it, huh?
4: Yeah, that's right, mister. Nothing to it.
2: The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent.
3: Walter Barton, known as the werewolf, was tried and convicted and is now serving a full life sentence at the state penitentiary. This has been Dragnet, the third in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of C.B. Horrell, Chief of Police, Los Angeles Police Department.
2: Tonight's program is dedicated to Sergeant Mario Victor Diro of the Los Angeles Police Department, who on the morning of January 1st, 1943, gave his life so that yours might be more secure.
3: came to you from Los Angeles. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
1: Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next up on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Well, this ought to be fun. Frankie Lane is the special guest with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. And oh, yes, Mortimer Snurd will be here, too.
7: It's Sunday night, and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Mortimer Snurd and Ray Noble and his orchestra. Tonight, our special guest is the style setting recording star, the unique Frankie Lane.
6: Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Attention, folks. It's time for Charlie McCarthy. Here I come, ready or not. Last one to tune in is the uh, you-know-what. <laughs> Look here, I, I fell, boy. W- would you
7: mind dropping your voice down to just a uh, shout? Oh.
6: What's wrong, Ray? You look like a medical student's homework. (laughs) Well, frankly, Charles, I'm just not myself today. Well, let me be the first to congratulate you.
5: No,
7: it's my nerves, old boy. They're jumpy. Uh, All week long, I've been making recordings with the officer.
6: Oh. Well, why should that make you jumpy? We have to listen to them. (laughs) Well, I, I felt all right up to that last recording, you know. <laughs> what was your last
7: recording? Well, it, it was a new arrangement, Charlie. I, uh, time on my hands on the front side. Uh huh. And don't spank the baby on the back side. <laughs> well, that
6: well, it should be a howling success. I
5: <laughs>
7: but, but you know, I think the trouble is being shut
6: up in those horribly small recording studios. Oh, it's that. Oh, yes. I think I must have claustrophobia. I've never heard of that. Much of it going around? You know? Oh, it's a fear of closed places. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, there are many such phobias. You know, some
7: people have a fear of high places.
6: What do they call that, hydrophobia?
5: <laughs> oh, well, Charlie,
7: haven't you ever known anyone who was high-strung?
6: Well, yes, I have, Ray. Eh? I have, as a matter of fact. I had an uncle once who was always, uh, always in need of a sedative. Really? Uh, with an olive in it. Uh. <laughs> Good old Uncle Egbert. Fried Egbert, we used to call him. <laughs> now, look here, Charles. This isn't helping me quiet my nerves, you know. Well, now, wait a minute now. You just gave me an idea. Well, what? I'm going to borrow your nervous condition and get out of going to school tomorrow. Well, you better be careful, Charles. Well, here comes Edgar now. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello, Charlie. Oh, wait. Now, don't sneak up on me like that, Birkin. Please. What's the matter? What's the matter with you anyway? Well, oh, I'm a mess. I'm just a bundle of nerves twitching nerves. Is that so? Oh, they just twitch all the time. Yeah. Just twitching. Yeah. There I go, see? Yeah. Well, that's nothing so much to be alarmed about. Charlie, I can help you. I know all about nerves. Oh, you do? Yes. I was afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I studied to be a doctor in college. Sometimes I'm sorry I gave up medicine. Yeah, but think of all the lives you saved by doing it. <laughs> See, the main function of these nerves is to carry messages to the, to the brain. Oh, it is? Yes. Now, what happens when you pick up something hot, darling? Huh? I see what happens when you pick up something hot. Well, usually I call the fence and see what it'll give me for it. <laughs> what?
5: <laughs>
6: no. You immediately withdraw your hand. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. That's because the messages to the brain travel at over a hundred feet a second in a man's body. Yeah? Yes. In a woman, it has to go a little slower on account of the curves. <laughs> you see, the nerves and the brain work together. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? For example, I say to myself, I want to move my arm, and lo and behold, my arm it moves. Oh, it did, didn't it? Oh, you are clever. Do you tie your own shoelaces too? <laughs> What do you suppose is the matter with you, Charlie? Well, brace yourself, Bergen, but I got a bad case of undulating, overlapping, homogenized claustrophobia. Uh, claustrophobia? Yeah, that's what I got. When did it start? In school. Oh, I see. Yes, for years the eighth grader's been posing in on me. <laughs>
5: yeah.
6: Looks like I'm a lifer. I see, yeah. <laughs> well, if school gives you claustrophobia that badly. And it do, it do. It... Something, of course, will have to be done about it. Then you're going to spring me? Well, I, I, uh... Oh, Bergen, may I kiss the hem of your stylish stout jacket? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What do you suggest might help you? No. I think I need a change, Bergen. Yes. A complete new outlook. Say, in the form of a... Oh, a good movie. A good movie? Yes. Yeah. The darkness, the quiet, the peace would calm my nerves.
5: Yes.
6: What picture did you have in mind? Well, I tell you, it's called The Waltzing Corpse Meets Frankenstein's Other Wife. Charlie, <laughs> movie theaters are closed in crowded places. If you have claustrophobia, I'm afraid you never can go to the movies again. Uh-oh. You know something, Bergen? What? It's a pity you gave up medicine. You would have made a great surgeon. Well, makes you think so, Charlie? In one simple operation, you amputated my claustrophobia, cut out my hookie playing, and cooked my goose.
7: (laughs) Ray Noble, as modern as tomorrow, brings us his own instrumentation of today's domino.
6: if you'd get here tonight? Oh, I might. It's early yet, you know. Well, you look sleepy. Yeah, I am. I am sleepy. How come? Hmm? How come you're sleepy? (laughs) Well, I can't sleep at night. Oh, yeah. I'm beginning to think that sleep don't agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Martimer. Oh, now, please. Not you, too. Charlie with claustrophobia and now you with insomnia. Insomnia? Nothing. My trouble is I can't sleep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, do you have any idea what's keeping you awake, Mortimer? No, I think it's my nightmares. Your nightmares? Yeah, oh, I see. How can you have nightmares when you can't sleep? Well, <laughs> it ain't easy. No, I don't. <laughs> have you tried? Have you tried sleeping powder? Yeah, I sprinkled it all over the bed, but it didn't do no good. When, when do you find it the hardest to go to sleep? When I'm awake. When you're awake. I'm trying to help you. Now, listen. When people can't sleep, they count sheep. No! Yes! When sheep can't sleep, do they count people? No. Do you try counting sheep? Uh, sheep? Now, please don't confuse me, Uncle. Okay? I'm having enough trouble right there as it is. (laughs) What was your question, please? I say, do you try counting sheep? No, I tried it once. Uh, uh, Didn't do no good, though, I see. See, there was black sheep, black sheep. I couldn't see them in the dark. I wonder what could be causing your insomnia. Do you sleep with your window open? No, with my mouth open, with your mouth <laughs>
5: Well,
6: you better do something about it. I'll tell you, the circles under your eyes are so big that it looks like your nose is riding a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: well, the
6: circles, yes, yes. nose, yeah, on your nose. The riding a bicycle, yeah. Well, you see, Marty, but that was a joke. Oh, a joke. Yes, yes. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back here, Insomnia. Now, something must be keeping you awake. Yeah, maybe it's them awful things I've been seeing in the dark. Oh, now we're getting to it. You're afraid of the dark. Oh, well, yeah, sometimes. You see, I get so scared, I I pull the pillow over my head. I should think you'd suffocate. No, no. I do get way behind in my breathing, though. yeah. Over your head, too. Yeah, I do that. I pull the covers over, yeah, but it puts my feet in an awful ticklish position. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, now, at least with a blanket over your head, you, you can't see those awful things. Oh, yes, I can. You still see them? Yeah. How come? Well, you see, I, <laughs> I cut a people in the blanket. Oh, I. <laughs> Mortimer, this entire thing is ridiculous. Uh, only stupid people are afraid of the dark. Well, there's your answer. Yeah. You wouldn't see these things if you could fall asleep. Oh, sure. Now there must be some reason why you can't sleep at night. Now, why can't you sleep at night? Well, let's see. Can't think of it offhand. <laughs> Not unless it's those naps I've been taking all day.
5: Ah, there you are.
6: What is it that makes you such a dunce? I don't know.
1: I really don't know. But whatever it is, it sure works, don't it? Yeah. <laughs>
6: a great while, an entertainment personality comes along who truly deserves the much-abused term, song stylist. Such a one is our guest of the evening, Frankie Lane. Tonight, he gives his modern sound to, wonderful, wasn't it, Mr. Lane. Wonderful, wasn't it? Isn't it? Holding you close to me.
5: Joy it was, cold oh, as thrill it is, kissing you tenderly. Whispering soft and low, darling, I love you so, so no one else can hear. To make it more divine, you just me, said your mother
6: Frankie. Next time I go to the jukebox, that record of yours will get my dime. Well, Charlie, if I know you, it'll be a slug. Oh, uh, uh-huh. a comical one here. Uh-huh. <laughs> we we'll have to keep this dialogue short, and we will eliminate it. After oh, Charlie, uh, really now, I don't want to get laughs. Oh, good. I just want to sing a song. Like my new one. Uh, what's that? Well, it's called I Had to Have All My Clothes Altered Since I've Got You Under My Skin. <laughs>
5: So
6: he didn't want to get laughed. Well, you know something? He didn't, really. (laughs) Hello, Frankie. Hello, Edgar. Say, it's nice having you in Hollywood, Frankie. Thank you. You know, I'd like to give you a little dinner party. Oh? There's so many people out here that would like to meet you. Well, thank you, Edgar. Nothing. Nothing's really wonderful. Is it going to be anything like that uh, last dinner party you gave? Yeah, I'm afraid so, but be a good sport and come anyway. No, really. Okay, I will. See you later, boys. Fine, fine. Well, Charlie, when in the world did you make that remark for? Huh? I'm going all out on this dinner party. You are? Yes. It's deductible? No, no, no.
5: <laughs> no,
6: the Beverly Hills Catering Service will handle the entire affair. They charge $25 a plate. Peggy, if I can get that Beverly Hills Catering Service to cut the price, will you give me half? Well, well yes, if you can, sure. You think you can do it? ha, <laughs> ha. Either Beverly cuts her price or she heads for the hills. All right. Hi, Bud. Let's have a little service here, huh? How delightful. The yeah. toothpick. The talk. <laughs> Mister, when you say that, smile. Why? So I can get a good shot at your front teeth. Well, now that we've nauseated each other, you wish to give a dinner party. Sure. Uh, What type of menu did you have in mind? Uh, Something inexpensive, like uh, seagull a la king. (laughs) Breast of Spam. (laughs) Possibly jellied gopher tails. <laughs> Served in a trap, of course.
7: This is not going to be one of my good afternoons. <laughs> Perhaps it'll help me if you'll tell me for whom this dinner party is Frankie Lane. But well, do you
6: think Mr. Lane would like partridge? Is he a hunter? Uh, I don't know. But about a year ago, he sure killed a wild goose, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You're not laughing. And that's the way it's going to be.
5: <laughs> now, now about our
6: partridges. You yes. see, they are raised on our private farm, where they are hand-fed only the finest imported grain. How nice! And then you shoot them. How vulgar!
5: <sighs>
7: now we place them in a vat of warm wine and allow them to hiccup themselves to death.
6: <laughs> what a lovely way to go! <laughs> Well, the entire affair will be exquisite, you know. Uh-huh. Our waitresses are the
7: most beautiful girls in Hollywood. Uh-huh.
6: Now, how should we start the dinner? Uh, late. Oh. Uh, I'll be in the kitchen with the waitresses. <laughs> and now, my obnoxious little friend, yes. we can save some time if you tell me what you wish to spend for each guest. Well, what could I give her about 80 cents apiece, piece uh, Young man, yes. for 80 cents piece
7: one of our men will pass among you with a stale salami and let each guest
6: whip one him. Look, I've got to get this party catered cheap, buddy. Oh, cheap?
7: Yeah. Well, from what I judge your friends to be, may I suggest the Lower Glendale
6: Dog Catering Service? You know, that's not a bad idea. With plenty of ketchup on it, they'll never know. you. <laughs>
7: I say, Charles, you don't mean to tell me you've actually hired a dog catering service to
6: cater the party for Frankie Lane? That I have, Ray. Thirty cents a man and all the flea powder they can use. (laughs) How do you do, Mr. McCarthy? I'm Kirkwood of the Lower Glendale Dog Catering Service. How do you do? This is Ray Noble. My, he's a woolly one, isn't he? (laughs) Who taught him to stand up and beg?
7: <laughs> really, I must have this mustache clip.
6: Say, uh, Kirk, is your dog food, is it fit for human consumption? Oh, yes. Why, I often eat it myself. Oh, good, good. Then it doesn't affect you? Not at all. Of course, every once in a while I find myself chasing a cat up a tree. <laughs> Now, who's going to be the host of this party, a Pekingese or a Pomeranian? Well, the fellow who's walking in over there now, Bergen. Oh, a Mexican hairless. (laughs) Uh, Hello, gentlemen. Uh, Bergen, this is Mr. Kirkwood. He's going to cater your party. Oh, I see. Well, tell me, Mr. Kirkwood, do you have many customers in the better part of Hollywood? Oh,
2: yes, indeed.
7: My food's eaten by some of the biggest movie stars. Good. For instance, there's Lassie and...
6: Uh... Who, who did you say? Uh, Massey, you know, Raymond Matthew. Oh, yes. <laughs> you see, this is a very important party, and I want things done right. Confidentially, I I want to put on the dog.
5: You're <laughs> not the right man,
6: buddy. Yes. The dinner, of course, will be formal. They'll wear tails. <laughs> Most of them do. Now, we'll need place cards. They'll have to know where they're going to sit. Well, why don't you just let them lie around the floor? Now, please, if you don't mind, let's save the clowning. Now, do you get your meat from Kansas City? No, Santa Anita. Santa Anita. Yeah, it's top quality. Uh, Silly, oh, (laughs) silly. Give each one a memento. Now, what would they do with a memento? <laughs> they can stuff it in an olive. <laughs> That's a memento. Oh, I'm sorry. well, um, I, I'd suggest
4: more practical gifts, like, uh, uh, say, a uh, rubber bowl. A
6: rubber bowl, yeah. Yeah. Or one of those new feeding bowls that keeps their ears out of the milk. <laughs> ears out of the mis- just a moment. This couldn't be a dog service, could it? Oh, couldn't it? Uh, let's not fight it, Bergen. It's cheaper than both of them. <laughs> so to save money, you were ready to feed our guest Frankie Lane dog food, horse meat. Yeah. Well, I, I Were you Charlie? Well, I, 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 I. Bergen. What are you going to do? I'm taking off my belt. Charlie, bend over. No, no, no I, 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 you'll <laughs>
5: boxes am not going
7: spot musically as Frankie
4: Lane returns to sing of his lady unfair, the bewitching Jezebel.
6: If ever the devil was born without a pair of horns, it was you. Jezebel, it was
5: you. If ever an angel fell Jezebel, it was you. Jezebel, it was you. If ever a pair of eyes promised paradise, deceiving me, deceiving me, leaving me blue. Jezebel, it was you. If ever the devil's plan was made to torment man. It was you, Jezebel. It was you. Would be better had I never known love such as you.
6: you. come back and see us real soon. Good
1: night, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you're with me next week when we'll share more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.